This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. You're back again, so we uh, didn't scare you away with the last couple episodes. We've had some great guests. I hope you've had time to go back and check on those. Uh, Today, for the podcast, we actually have Mr. Patrick Edwards himself in the studio. Yeah, I'm here, and I guess I'm the guest today. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) We'll arm wrestle over that later. (laughs) No, it's good to be back in the studio and, and do another great podcast, so I'm excited. I am too. It's uh, spring finally sprung in Wyoming. I don't know when it happened. We had uh, 150 days under 50 degrees here in Wyoming. Um, if you guys have been following the news out there, I am excited. I am looking forward to fall, but there is some been some things going on for sure behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, you've been doing farm chores, working for sure, but I, I heard you got out and I got to do a little R&R. Yeah, I got to go out and do a little bit of fishing a couple of times, and literally it's been a couple of times, but both trips were record-setting, I guess you could say. Yeah, so is it definitely quality over quantity then? <laughs> I guess for those two trips, it was it was quality and quantity. So just to let everybody know, if you haven't read about it already, but I set two state records in about a two-week period here in April. Back-to-back state records. Yeah, so it was it was quite an experience, and I have a pending IGFA world record as well, so I'm waiting to see if that's a, a go or not. But I can tell you the application process for a world record, it's insane. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of things that you got to do, and you have to have lots of pictures of everything, which I didn't know at the time until, you know, I'm looking at what the world record was and then the fish that I caught. And then trying to navigate, how do I get all the documentation that they need? Who knows? I may get that one. I may not. But either way, it's two state records. And so that's that's pretty cool. One for a long nose sucker, which I didn't even know exactly what kind of sucker it was when I reeled it in. I had to reach out to a couple of different people, Jim Zumbo and Ben Linnell. uh, Thanks for helping me on the positive ID. I kind of figured it out online by that point, but they helped me confirm that and beat that record by over a pound which was pretty cool shattered the the current state record by a pound yeah and then a few weeks later shattered my own record for the white sucker which i caught back in 2020 i set the state record then i shattered that by over a pound as well and that's the fish that's the pending igfa all tackle world record so well, congratulations, sir. I'm glad you got to get out and do some fishing. I'm quite certain I know where, but we, uh, we'll leave that to be un- un- undisclosed body of water just because <laughs> it is going to be the world record. Um, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's knock on some wood. I mean, it'll be public anyway. I mean, it, I can say it was the Wind River. I'm not going to tell you where on the Wind River, but it was the <laughs> that's, Wind River. That's only like a 200-mile river, so yeah. good, good luck. Tell us about catching the fish. You know, you obviously snuck away from a from a day of work and threw some tackle in the truck. What was the, what was the weather? What was the mood? Let's hear the story. Yeah, so I'll start with the long nose. I've 
I've been doing a lot lately. So I have the full-time job. I have RAGCAST and I've got a Harvard course that I'm taking. So I've been And the farm busy. and the kids. Yeah. So, so Patrick has <laughs> extra time. If you guys need some uh, projects done around or, you know, just, just some advice on website design, sure. Give, <laughs> give Patrick a call. We'll put his phone number in the show notes. And I'll he forward will... my calls to David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, hey, it's, good luck getting a hold of me. Yeah. It's been busy and you know, it's been good though. I, it, the kids have been super busy with their stuff. I mean, we had wrestling tournaments going on swimming and stuff, but I had like an hour and a half window where I could fish on a Sunday afternoon. So I knew where suckers typically are and I wanted to go catch some because I wanted to try again, some more recipes and do some things with them just to live on the edge, you know, cause well, didn't, didn't a Zumbo give you a sucker recipe that's mm-hmm that you've been wanting to try. We talked about that a little bit. Yeah. So he, he and I've talked extensively about suckers, about canning them, about pickling them and other recipes. And I wanted to try smoking them and I made some fish meatballs with them. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, but there was a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to do and I hadn't done it for three years. I hadn't targeted suckers in quite a while because I've been on brown trout kicks here and golden trout kicks there and grayling and doing different species. And so I was like, you know, I haven't done suckers for a while. I'll throw There's some open water. The, yeah. the weather was warming up a little bit. Yeah. Above so I, zero. Well, it was windy and cold down there, but that was fine. It was a chance to get out of the house and get some quiet, which is something I desperately needed. And I had and vitamin D. Yeah, and I had a really small window between basically church in the morning and activities in the afternoon. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and sit and relax and see what happens. So I get down there and I was using a pickerel rig, which is just basically a large slip sinker on your main line, then down to a three-way swivel, which has a hook, and then another line and a three-way swivel and another hook. So you've got two hooks about that far apart just about what a foot is apart. the advantage of having is it just your your twice as many hooks and leaders and you can or is You're, one going to suspend the other bait is there what's the thought nah, process the, behind it the thought process is, is you have two places for them to bite and it's within the regulations so it's like yeah why not do it and i mean it's common from canada all the way through the united states if you're fishing for suckers that's probably what you're using and you, all you need to catch suckers is a, a fairly small hook. So I used a number six eagle claw, which is pretty small. And then just a piece of night crawler. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's super easy. <laughs> this is not, a, this is a lead weight, right? Yep. On your main line with a swivel, a small hook with a piece of worm. Yeah. Okay. So it's super simple rig, basically casting onto the seam of the river from the fast to the slow moving current. And then what I was doing is just working it slowly along the bottom. And in Wyoming, you can use two rods. So some of the time I was fishing for walleyes too with a jig. And so, I mean, you can do that. But what I found, and I think it is a good tip for sucker fishermen, if you're trying to catch a sucker, best thing you can do is have the rod in your hand. Because there's a lot of really little bites that I started to pick up on. I have a pretty good feel for what's going on. And... I'm like, oh, there was a fish. Oh, he picked it up and spit it out. Oh, I could feel this, you know, and started to catch a lot more fish than I normally do just by holding the rod in my hand. So then I ditched the walleye rod and was like, you know what? This is going to be a sucker meat haul. And uh, yeah, I started catching that. That day I caught in an hour and a half, I caught three white suckers and three long nose. The white suckers were all really nice. I mean, they were about 19 inches, so they were decent size. And then the the long nose, 
that was the state record was 21 inches and i knew i was like this is a big sucker <laughs> no pun intended but it was a big sucker but i didn't know you know what the state record was for it or what the exact species was i just knew it wasn't a white and so i mean it fought okay but suckers aren't known for their fighting i mean they fight decently but i was like okay well i i, I didn't even think about it when i first caught him so i actually lost some weight on him because i bled him so I brained him and bled him, which if I had known it was a state record, I wouldn't have done. Cause There's then a couple I, more ounces. Yeah, because I would have had the, because he was uh, three pounds, 15.6 ounces. So he would have been a four pounder if I hadn't done that, but that's fine. You were wanting to eat these fish. So yeah, exactly. That's, that, that's, <laughs> there, there is a little uh, dichotomy there of if you don't brain them and bleed them, the meat's not going to be nearly as good, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. and the whole goal here was to uh, try some of these new recipes you got, right? Yep. And we'll talk about preparing them because I know people are listening and they're like, you don't eat suckers. Well, yes, you can. And they're actually really good. But um, anyway, so I bring them home and I had them in a nice slurry and went and did the activities with the kids and then came back and I'm like, man, that is, you know, cause it's time to clean them. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta figure out what this is and start looking things up. So I did. And then found out it's like, oh, this is a state record fish. So I'm like, oh crap, I shouldn't have bled him. I shouldn't have brained him, but oh, well. Uh, so I went to the post office that next Monday morning. And they had seen me three years earlier with my white sucker. So when they see me come through the door with a cooler, they're like, another fish, huh? <laughs> you know, they, they <laughs> knew what not, was going on. Is, you got you to gotta put them on a certified scale, right? Yeah, so you have to have a certified scale. It has to be certified within the last year. And about the only places to do that in Riverton are the grocery store and the, the post office. And the grocery store does not want you to bring your stinky fish Absolutely, in Absolutely, they don't want your fish in there. They're not, yeah. not going to be very uh, cooperative to getting you a weight on your fish. But the no. post office seems like a, a, a viable option they were awesome uh those folks were really kind and and again they did it a, and a couple of weeks later with a white sucker again but uh yeah they were more than happy to help out and uh went in there got the weight got the got the length then i had to go to the lander office and see joe he's the head fisheries biologist there he did his verification on the species double checked you know that there's the no lead weights in its stomach yeah exactly unfortunately people do that if you haven't followed fishing you can go watch those walleye tournament angler guys they they got prosecuted too mm -hmm. uh but anyway yeah so i got all the verifications done and within a week i had a certificate and i thought that was pretty cool and then you know I, it, then it came down to preparing these fish and so i'm going to give you some observations about long nose suckers and it's pretty interesting I had never filleted one out, never dealt with one. The thing that struck me the most is when you get a long nose sucker and you take the fillet off, they have a black lining on the inside of their like rib cage. And so you open them up and it's black. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, because you, typically you open up and it's more of a white, right? Well, the meat's white and beautiful. But there is a lining inside that stomach cavity between the ribs and the guts that's black. Hmm. And it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a fish. I was just like, oh, that's weird. 
so anyway, I cleaned him up and I noticed that the, the flesh was a little bit more oily feeling, you know, it felt like it had some grease to it, which is good when you want to smoke something. So I got all excited Threw some in the high mountain seasonings, gourmet fish brine, which so, we've already established is by far the, the superior <laughs> yeah. we, we, sidebar, you know, I mean, they may or may not sponsor us. Uh, I do care. Hans is a great guy, but seriously, we took. And we've talked about this before. We took mm-hmm. your family best smoked salmon recipe. We took mine. We took my dad's. And these are all hand down. Oh, this is the best. And then we did uh, the brown sugar from High Mountain Seasoning. And I think they call it the Keen Iron. It was like the Alaskan. The yeah. Alaskan, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a more brown sugar based. And then, then we tried that gourmet fish brine. And head and shoulders above all the other concoctions. Everybody's come together. When, when it was done and taste test time, everybody's like, Yep, give me more of the gourmet fish brine. So, yep. I'm glad you had some of that on board. I'm pretty sure you, we're we're gonna make sure we have lifetime supply around now. Yeah, so. we we bought it in bulk. So, um, but yeah, so I I did the brine, applewood, smoked it, pulled it out, and I'll I'll post a video of it because I videoed this whole process. It tastes great. It's not it's not trout. It's not grayling. It's not white fish. It's not not like any of those. It has its own flavor, but it's really good and. Yes, they are extremely bony. That's why most people won't eat suckers. There's two reasons, right? It's the face that they have that throws people off and the bones. Face and the bones. But, you know, the old adage of put it on a cedar plank, cook it, and throw the fish away and eat the plank is not true, huh? No, it's not. And I'm I'm going to be busting more of these myths as we go, and people can shake their heads all they want. But we had Doug Stangy on this podcast. He's been eating suckers for many years. Jim Zumbo's been eating them for many years. They taste just fine. They are really good. And they have a lot, again, they have a lot of oil in them. Yeah, so smoking the fish, they're really good to eat smoked. But then I wanted to take it a step further and try some other things because it takes a long time to deal with the bones and can be a little bit of a pain. So what I did was I took and I made, and it's based off of the fish recipe in Stephen Ranella's Meat Eater cookbook. Um, he has one, <laughs> has a, an interesting name for the recipe. It's sucker balls with magic sauce. That's what he calls it. But I made sucker meatballs. Essentially. I took that smoked sucker meat and I picked the bones out the best I could, but then I put it in a food processor and just ground the bones, knock the snot out of it as much as I could. Then I mixed in some mustard, some mayonnaise, breadcrumbs, eggs, onion, garlic, a bunch of different things and made a meatball with it and baked them in the oven for 20 minutes at 350 just to cook the egg and the other stuff because the meat's already cooked and then i made like a you know kind of a i guess a chinese dipping sauce that had you know soy sauce and some chili paste and and whatnot and some yum yum sauce for your meatballs yeah and then i had the kids just kind of go after it and next thing i know i started with 24 meatballs and then there were three left so they apparently liked them quite a bit. Krista, my wife, she really enjoyed them too. So, I mean, they, they went real quick and they were excellent. There were a couple little bones that we had missed that we found in the eating process. So again, if you are going to consume suckers, be careful. <laughs> Do it at your own peril because there are some bones. And the ones I've been catching are big, so the bones are bigger. With smaller ones, I don't think it'd be near near the issue. But then I made some pickled sucker uh with jim zumbo's recipe 
and I filmed all this again. I'll put it out on YouTube on our Ragcast Outdoors YouTube channel, and you can go check it out. But it, it was pretty neat. And you guys are going to get to watch a, a, a potential world record get caught on YouTube. So that's pretty cool. Well, content. not the catching, but the the, the, uh, the preparing of the uh, at least state record long nose. You know, okay. I can do that, but. But yeah, so I mean, the, the long nose sucker—it's a—it's a cool fish. It's—it's it's different. It—it's a face only a mother could love. Uh, but I'll tell you what—they taste pretty decent. So I—I I don't feel bad about it at all. I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, "Why do you? Why do you even try to catch those? You know, why do you? Why do you want to eat those?" I'm like, "Well, why do you want to eat any fish? <laughs> you know, they—they they all have a different flavor profile. Sounds like it might be better than a, a rank old midsummer warm trout that you don't oh, take for care sure. of." Yeah, for sure. I would take it over that any day. I mean, it it's pretty darn good. On a sidebar, we uh, Hunter and I went to a pond fishing just here recently, and we fished a pond that had freshwater shrimp. And he caught it, proceeded to catch. I think we caught three fish in the 14, 16-inch range. You know, not, not pan fryers, but not huge. And we're on the road and he's like, ah, oh, we're keeping them. And he, he's, he's, I don't care if it's an itch log fish or a how <laughs> that kid's once it's on the bag, we're keeping them. I'm like, you know, Patrick, I'm, I'm not a big trout consumer. Right. Right? I was spoiled with Alaska. I'll admit, but I am pleasantly shocked that those freshwater shrimp eating trout, I, it was akin to lobster. I I'm mean, sure it was good. It had no, no trout essence at all. And he ate a whole fish himself. And typically we, we cook a fish he'll eat half a filet you know usually the tail section he gets into a few bones and he's done we're all done when we start getting bones stuck in the side of our mouth right <laughs> nobody likes that so sounds like the food processor is key to yeah. this whole and whole of adventure here i mean you can pick you can pick the meat off and really be taking your time i mean it just takes forever and those bones when you see them they are something else man i mean there's a reason that people are like eh, i don't know if i want to deal with that because i mean they are pretty brutal but it's worth it again those those long nose are tasty the white suckers i think are good too so yeah maybe we should talk a little bit more about white suckers so on that trip that i went on that initial trip i didn't catch any real real big ones but i caught some nice ones so it was a couple of weeks later. My father-in-law was in town. Katie wanted to go fishing. It had just snowed that morning. It was freezing cold. I was I was not super motivated, I'll admit. I was just like, oh, I suppose we can go. So we go down to the river, and it was actually fairly nice. It started to warm up. Sun came out. wasn't terrible. Thank goodness. And started fishing. My father-in-law caught one that was really close to my old state record dimension wise. And I was like, wow, there's some big ones today. Um, and we started hammering long nose, started hammering more of the white suckers. Katie caught another one that was really close to my state record from two, 2020. And, you know, we we're having a good time and, and just enjoying it. And then I had one hit and I set the hook and my rod stopped dead. Like it, it was a big fish. Every hardcore fisherman knows that feeling of you know i don't care what tackle where you're fishing i don't care where in the world you know you you get used to setting the hook and oh it's a, it's a fish right mm -hmm. oh it's a fish when you set the hook and it's just like oh, you, you're like am i hung up on the bottom and then oh no that's a fish that's that's when your heart always gets going yeah because i was not using a small setup for these fish i was using a bait caster with a medium action rod and when i set the hook and that rod just 
doubled over and I, I knew it was a, it was a big fish. I was thinking actually it was probably a carp because it, I mean, it, it was heavy. And those carp get up to what? Oh, geez. 20? Oh, 30 pounds. Yeah. yeah. So I, I figured maybe I had a carp on, started reeling it in and it got close and I saw it was a white sucker and all three of us were just like, that's a new record. <laughs> Cause I mean, you already know what the obvious. record looks like. Yeah, it was obvious. And, uh, got it netted and got it up on, on the bank. And I was just like, man, I have never seen a white sucker this big. And then kind of in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I wonder if it's close to the world record because I, I kind of knew what it was and, you know, I didn't have a scale down there with me, but I was like, man, I wonder. So anyway, I did not, did you bleed this I one? did not bleed this one. You, you I didn't did make not that brain mistake. it. Okay. <laughs> um, I left it be, so uh, you got a couple extra ounces. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and so then I, I threw it in the cooler, but we caught like 13 nice suckers that day. The smallest was 18 inches. So, I mean, we, we did really well. Um, so what is the size potential size? Of, I mean, what's the true size, but what's the potential? World yeah. Record? So in 1984, a gentleman up in Minnesota on the rainy river, I believe it was caught a six pound, eight ounce white sucker. And I don't know the length. It doesn't have the length listed, but mine, when I got the official weight was six pounds, 8.45 ounces, which would make it a tie. They do round down, but it would still be a world record. So, I mean, it's a big fish and it's 23 and a half inches long, 14 inch girth. So it's, it's a decent sized fish. Uh, it's, it's not as big as, you know, a lot of fish I've caught, but it's nothing to, you know, just kind of make a joke about it. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a big sucker. (laughs) Considering that fish doesn't have a very big mouth to consume those calories. He's, he was a tank then. Yeah, he was a tank. Do you think it was a hen or a buck? I'm sure it's a female. Yeah. The the, the bucks are always usually smaller. Well, not always. I mean, I've caught some decent sized males, but this one was so girthy. I'm sure it's a female. And I mean, we'll, we'll find out at some point I did vacuum seal the entire fish and freeze it just because if there are any questions later i want to have it (laughs) you know and be like oh if you want to double check it you can double check it uh but anyway so we get back to the house take some pictures and i go inside and i look it up and i'm like oh man this might be a world record fish you know a 40 year old record that you're shattering that who knows how stood for how long before that right yep and and I know it's a new state record, like no doubt about it. Like that's, that's an easy one. So, so then I, you know, leave the, the fish in the ice slurry and wait until I can get to a certified scale, which is on a Monday morning, you know, and I caught it on a Saturday. So I go down and walk in with another cooler <laughs> into the post office. The and again, thank you to the Riverton post office for being so kind and letting me come in. And so I come in and get it, get it weighed and do all the things, take a picture of the scale. Cause then I learned about all the things you have to do to do a world record. I mean, it's crazy. not a state record, a world. Record. Yeah, it is insane. Like the application you have to have witnesses that do like an attestation of what you caught, you know, they sign it. You have to have it notarized. You have to, you know, all these things, take pictures of everything, pictures of it on the scale, pictures of it being, you know, measured the measurement from the tip of the nose to the inside part of the tail. And then also from the nose to the outside part of the tail. So the, like to the fork of the tail and then out. 
uh, you got to do girth. You got to get a picture of that. You have to, it's like I told my friend CJ, it's pretty much everything, but give them a blood sample in your firstborn. So go through all, all that process, take it up to Joe again, up at the lander office at the Cayman fish. He does a species verification just super nice guy, by the way. Um, wonderful. What, what Joe think when guy. you're back in after three weeks? <laughs> He's like, did it again, huh? <laughs> you know, and you know, he got a kick out of it. He, he thought it was really neat. You know, he's seen a lot of white suckers, he said, in his day, and that's the biggest he's ever seen. And so that's pretty cool because they do a lot of gill netting and they, they see lots of fish. But he said that's the biggest sucker he's ever seen. And so that that was kind of fun. And, yeah, did did all the pictures, did all the measurements, got everything together. I So also with the world record, what you have to do, is you have to take all of the line. It's like a requirement of almost 50 feet of line. You have to send it in. Within includes all of your hooks, your swivels, everything. You got to send it in. What they do is they do um, line tests on it. And they also verify that you didn't do something that you shouldn't be doing, right? Like if you had a setup that's illegal or or whatever, you know, against their rules because they do have their own rules. And hopefully I didn't do anything against their rules. I know I did everything to the letter of the law for Wyoming, but I have no idea if I, you know, breached their rules on that. But So is there like a line know. class in that yeah. as well? So like line weight classes, right? Yeah. So there's, so the IGFA does not do line class world records for all the species. They only do them for certain. So they don't have a line class record for white suckers, but the world fishing hall of fame does in minnesota so potentially it's going to be a world record on two sides plus a state record yeah their all tackle world record on the hall of fame side is seven pounds four ounces so that gives me something to chase next year but their line class world record for i I did talk to their director he said mine would qualify for a line class world record for sure so, uh, cause their seven pound four ouncer got caught on like six pound test and I was using heavier poundage and mine's the biggest in the heavier poundage. So it, it would qualify under that rule, but I have to wait to hear from the IGFA before I can apply for the one through the freshwater fishing hall of fame. Cause they don't share information cause they're competing organizations kind of. So, but I did get my Wyoming state record certificate, like a week later. So that was thank you cool. Wyoming for making some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So, and I think I'm the only person in, at least in this state to break two state records, two separate species, state records that close together. I don't know for sure, but I'm fairly sure because most people don't have two. I think there's a guy out of Casper that has the crappie and the perch record. And those were fairly close together but I think I'm the only one that has two that close together. And I think he and I are the only two people to in have Wyoming two. that have two or that currently hold two anyway. So next year we got to get you get a third one. Yeah. I actually have my eye on a couple of species already. <laughs> I might do it this year. <laughs> There's a reason um, why Patrick's on the uh, podcast guys. He, he catches <laughs> lots of fish. And I, I'm just a nut about catching every species. I actually have my eye on, shovel nose sturgeon next and then also stone cats stone cats are like a really small catfish they only get up to like 10 inches little subspecies and they're only here in one tributary they're in a few but okay i think the state rec current state record is out of the torrington area on the platte river but i'd like to bring it back to fremont county because we have them here and i was talking to joe our biologist about it and just trying to get an idea of where i could go 
There's also a chance I could get the black bullhead record because there's a place with bullheads. Uh, the shovel nose sturgeon I could get out of the Bighorn or the Powder Rivers, and you know it's possible. The, they're a small cousin to, you know, like a, a river sturgeon or a white sturgeon. They don't get near as big. The current state record is like 44 inches. And so I think I could probably do that if I can figure out where to even catch one. That's what I'm doing my homework on at the moment when I'm not doing all the other things, but I'm trying to figure out where I can get one. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities. And some people have asked me, well, how do I go about chasing a state record? Well, the first thing is you got to figure out what the state records even are. So print them off. You know, I carry one in my pack, so I at how least many, have an idea. How many times has somebody caught a state record and gone, yeah, you know, I'm not keeping this one today and turn it loose. And all they needed to do was uh, go get it weighed and scaled. But but you got to know what the record is first. Yeah, I think it happens fairly regularly across the country that people don't even know what they have. There was a guy that caught the uh, state record carp out of Morton. I'm sure there have people been people that have caught bigger carp and just it's like oh, this is a trash fish i'm gonna throw it on the bank so i don't know it'll be interesting to see you know i think there's a lot more awareness if you look at the state records that have been broken since the pandemic <laughs> the long nose sucker has been broken three times you know the white sucker i've broken twice sucker species are starting to gain attention because more people are going out and fishing and trying to catch new things and also people are throwing bottom rigs out so it could be interesting the next few years but someone will probably break that long nose record I'm sure there's bigger ones. Records are made to be broken. Yep. Right? And it's, I and I hope someone does cuz then I'll go out and try to break theirs. So, <laughs> I mean it's it's just part of the fun and but yeah, there are several other records that I think I can get. Well, some people but sit around and dream about Ferraris or trips to Hawaii and Patrick sits around dreaming about Catching which state fish. record he could and, and and you're also doing the research and the homework and you're mm-hmm. You're, I guess you're doing a lot of testing, right? Testing theories, testing spots, and sometimes you go to a spot and you get skunked. Yep, happens a lot. Do you give up and go home and never go sucker fishing again because you got skunked in one spot one day? No, and that's the thing. Like The best thing you can do is talk to your biologist and kind of see where fish typically are for the species that you're wanting to catch. And since I'm a multi-species guy, I might be talking to Joe about a tiger muskie. I might be talking to him about a sucker. It, it just depends on what I'm after at that point in time, but I'm one of those people that I just kind of, I'm always wanting to challenge myself to catch bigger fish of lots of different species. It's not just walleyes. It's not just trout. You know, I, I love tiger muskies. I think suckers are fun. I think carp are awesome. You know, they fight like crazy. Catfish are super cool. Uh, sauger are awesome. So <laughs> there's just so many things I want to catch and too little time unfortunately you're obviously capitalizing on the time you do have and that's trying kudos i'm i'm excited to see see this come and i saw the pictures i was like man that's good it's good for patrick so that thing was fat <laughs> that white sucker i mean that thing was a tank the the long nose was decent size but man those white suckers they they get a lot thicker and a lot heavier and i there's some more recipes i want to do too so i'll talk about that a little bit suckers have been consumed by native tribes for thousands of years. So when people say, oh, that's a trash fish, that's a bottom feeder, they, they're good for nothing but bait. Halibut are bottom feeders. Yeah, well, and so are catfish, right? And mm. it's like people eat catfish all the time. I think really what it comes down to with suckers, they get demonized just because they're a competitor for trout. They're a competitor for other things in the and, river. And but let, let's be honest. They are, they are not as charismatic and as photogenic as a, ra- a nice rainbow no, or not. a nice cut. I, I 
I like a you know a stringer of cuts looks pretty good. A stringer of suckers or whites, uh, it's it's they, it's a not face the only a mother could love. Yeah, I mean they're not beautiful, but as if far as delicious, as I don't far care. as food goes, they are quite edible. And so I'm tired of hearing people say, "Well, you can't eat them," because that's what I said growing up. Because I didn't know I was oh, ignorant. Don't keep that. You can't eat that. Exactly. It's a bottom fear. It eats trash. Well, define trash for me because it's interesting. I've actually examined these fish and seen what they're eating. It looks identical to what trout have in their belly <laughs> from that same stretch of river that well, I catch. Yeah. They're eating bugs off the bottom. They're in the same water, so they're eating the same organic biomass on some level. There's got to be some crossover, right? Mm -hmm. and Maybe they're eating the remnants of what the trout didn't consume, but they're still. Yeah, but I mean, if you, if, and I might do this next year, go catch a, a rainbow trout out of that spot and catch a sucker. And I'm going to open up both their bellies and show people what's in them. Because they're not eating garbage, trash off the bottom. They're eating bugs. They're eating small things that they can find on the bottom. That's why they like earthworms and nightcrawlers is because that's the kind of stuff they eat. You know, they're mm -hmm. eating bugs. They're eating larva. They're eating worms that are on the bottom. If you can catch both species on a worm, that, that proves it right there. One I find we should talk about is uh, lemonfish. I was working on a jackup rig, and I saw all these sharks swimming around i'm like what are those lemon sharks yeah lemon sharks and you know a bunch of people that they swim on top of the water and consume anything that's biomass floating there right and a bunch of people are like, oh those are trash fish they're really dang good to eat oh yeah those are really good well and see i'm i'm curious i know where some of this comes from but it drives me nuts people say the same thing about carp or antelope yeah i've had carp uh, my buddy seth he brought some smoked carp last year when he came it was excellent I was shocked <laughs> and I fried carp and it was fine. I fried sucker. It's fine. I've smoked sucker. It's fine. I think it's, it's just goes back to, they don't look as good as a trout or, you know, they don't fight as good as a trout. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'd rather fight a carp than a trout any day just because carp fight about as hard as anything you can. Now they're not going to be as spectacular. Maybe. You know, they may not breach the water, but I'll tell you what, pound for pound, carp's going to tussle with you. Now, sucker, yeah, they kind of lay over after a little bit. They have a little flurry, and then they're done. But I enjoy fish that fight, and yeah, maybe carp aren't pretty, but boy, they fight hard. And that's another reason I love tiger muskies, because they fight like crazy. It's like getting hit by a freight train, you know? But it's just interesting to me how demonized these fish get when actually they're pretty fun to catch and they're available you know there's lots of suckers there's lots of carp so why not fish for them like i i guess that's kind of where i've come to because growing up carp got thrown on the bank suckers got thrown on the bank we didn't keep them we didn't care about them maybe used them for bait well now with these recipes and i mean they'll be in the show notes and they'll be linked and there's obviously more than just the the couple recipes you have i i would mm -hmm. challenge everybody listening out there who's who's got an inkling going next time instead of just leaving that fish on the bank brain them and bleed them and put them in some ice water and go home and put the effort into seeing if they are table fare because it sounds like they are kind of goes back to the whole idea of stewardship if it's a resource why are you wasting it you know wh why throw it on the bank and just leave it now granted it's going to get consumed by something, you know, the birds are going to eat it, the raccoons, whatever. But if you could consume it and make a really good meal out of it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
I, I just don't understand the mentality. I mean, I do because I may, I guess I kind of do because I mean, when I was a kid, I just believed they were just a trash fish and they were good for nothing, right? But, but we do have that responsibility to pass it on. I, I showed you the picture this morning of I took an hour and took the boys to a body of water here real close. And yeah, we on a PK lure snagged a snagged a, I think it was an 18 inch bow and we're on the hunt for a, a master angler for the young kid, right? That's what he right. wants to do. And I, I could care less about catching another rainbow, Patrick. I'm, I'll go fishing with you anytime. But, <laughs> but you know, let, you say let's get out of bed at 4 a.m. and drive two states away, and we're going to go catch big rainbows. Now, now Pyramid Lake in Nevada, I want to go. Big cuts. Golden yeah. Dorado, I want to go. Yeah. But, you know, to, to go throw power bait and sit on a lake, it's just not not very high on my priority list. Now, when you have young kids... That's the way you catch fish, and we've heard it a dozen times here on this podcast. When you take kids fishing, you need to take them on a day they can get bit, right? Mm-hmm. But we banked this fish, and I'm really close to it. It's, it's barely hooked in the corner of the mouth, not bleeding. It's like, let's just quick, let the thing go. It, it'll be there for another kid to catch another day, right? Well, I got two boys that are screaming, no, 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 don't <laughs> let it go. I'm like, okay, you guys got to eat it. So tonight for dinner, we're having fresh rainbow trout. Now I'm sure it's going to be... You know, they're getting ready to start spawning. It's not going to be the greatest yeah. fish I've ever eaten. But the boys are learning a lesson that we're going to consume that resource. Yeah, and I, I think that we need to harp on this a little bit is that if you are, if you pride yourself in being a steward. And, and we all are, whether you're not, whether you think you are yeah, or not. You're either a good steward or bad steward. But if you think you're a good steward and you're throwing carp and suckers up on the bank, you know, and not utilizing that resource, I would, I would challenge you to rethink your process because one, they are edible Two, you can use them for bait. Three, you can use them for fertilizer. There's I'm, lots uh, of uses for them. I plan on cause, cause we have a couple of bodies of water here that have too many carp and they are mm-hmm. invasive. And I, uh, I'm looking at the price of fertilizer going, you know, we could have some fun bow fishing and go get a couple cooler loads of invasive species carp and we can put those in the garden and they're going to yep. make great fertilizer. And that's, that is being a good steward, right? That's not wasting a resource. There's a specific task there that's being accomplished. You know, my garden is kind of a funny place because depending on the season, the kind of carcasses that are going into the soil, Pig, vary. chicken, fish, well, deer. Well, it's like I've got, you know, it might be suckers one time of the year, then, you know, rainbow trout, then maybe walleye, then maybe who knows. But the carcasses, I always make sure that I put them back in the ground or, you know, right now I've got five feeder pigs. All the all the waste from the fish goes to those feeder pigs and they eat it. Is it waste? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think it's repurposed, recycled. Yeah, it's repurposed, recycled stuff, I guess. Food stocks. How's I would that? have never thought if you would have, you know, had this conversation with me 20, 25 years ago about being conscientious, renewable, green, right? I'm like, I never no, just you know, that that's that was not me. However, as I as I gain a few gray hairs, you know utilizing resources to the best of your ability it's not a bad thing no it's important i I think each of us has a responsibility to take care of what we've got and that could be you know utilizing a fish resource it could be a lot of different things but you know it's uh it's something that i'm teaching my kids is that you know suckers are edible you know we can we can utilize them for lots of different things i have them on the video helping me out you know we made pickled fish we made smoked fish we did all kinds of stuff with it and at the end of the day there is a use and um you know for those of you who gripe and moan about carp and suckers and hating them in the waterways why don't you catch a few take them home and find a way to use them 
instead of there's griping an about idea. it, you know, there's, there's, an the, idea. there's a positive way to deal with it get it and use it for something that's a net positive for you. There is this bigger premise here of, you know, I've heard each person has their own agenda, right? Talk to a wheat farmer. They hate turkeys. Talk to an alfalfa farmer. They hate antelope. You know, talk to a cattle farmer. Well, we can't make any money because those elk are always down on our ranch eating our feed. You know, each person has a villainized species in their mind that really probably ought to be looked at in a different light. Maybe I, I might reconsider the wolves. I doubt it highly. But back to, you know, I've heard lots of people say, well, man, you get them, you know, you got, you got farmer A on one side of the road, farmer B on the other side of the road. Farmer A hates the turkeys. Farmer B loves them. And farmer B's turkeys keep going over and destroying the farmer. And it's like, <laughs> how about we, you know, kind of get a consensus here of turkeys are okay as long as they're managed. Elk are okay as long as they're managed. Suckers are okay as long as they're managed. And whose job is that? That's us as yeah. the stewards of the land. And I and I believe that through and through that it's our responsibility. It's our job. You know, I, I've, I've been seeing a lot of so stuff. So you didn't leave your worm container there on the <laughs> no, bank? No, I did not. I the, picked it up just for you, David. <laughs> thank you. They, they, uh, hopefully there wasn't any Marlboro and, and, and I Monster up, Energy drink. And cans. I picked up a couple other worm containers. And, uh, and, a, and a Monster can, right? No, not that day. But I mean, I'm sure there will be when I go back to that area. There's always <laughs> something. Um, but yeah. But the thing is. You know, we are responsible for our fisheries, for our hunting areas, and whether you put it there or not, you should be picking it up. My two oldest kids, they just went through hunter safety. We went out to an area where they do like a, a skills test and they fire a firearm, you know, a few times and go through all that safety training hands on. Well, we get to this area and people have just trashed it, man. There's garbage everywhere. The training And area. it's sad. Yeah, it's a public area. It's on BLM. But it's sad. People take their old washing machines out there, and be, or, or actually it's old refrigerators and freezers because they don't want to pay to take it to the landfill and have it taken care of. So what do they do? They take it out there, they drop it, they put tannerite in it, and they shoot it. It's like you guys are very disrespectful of the resources that we have in the beautiful country that we have, and you're just littering. That's all you're doing. You're making a mess. And, and to, to shell have, casings everywhere. Oh yeah, it was horrible. To have the idea that you know it's it's a little bit like the passenger pigeon, right? Oh, there's so many, just shoot them and forget about it and leave them. You know, I hesitate to be the greenie, but you know the that fridge could be recycled. Yeah, right. It, well, and why put it on the landscape like that? Like, why do that? That's just I think dumb. it comes down to training. And just, just this last week while we were gone out in the woods, my son was having snacks and got up and he had a couple candy wrappers around him, right? And we had the discussion of, and I made him pick them up and put them in his pocket, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't just clean up after him and be the litter patrol. And I talked to him. I said, hey, A, the landowner isn't going to like that and you're probably going to get kicked off. And B, the next person that comes sits here doesn't want to see that, right? That doesn't. That does not enhance my wilderness experience to go to any place. I don't care what I'm chasing. I don't care what continent I'm on to pull up there and see litter. Now, I've started leaving a 30 sec shell on the rock where I harvest a deer, right? And that's a little bit of a totem of the next guy's there. And we're not talking a bunch of other trash. We're not talking a box of shotgun shells. I'm leaving one shell. Yeah, I'm leaving it out in the woods and the wilderness, but... At some point in time, some other hunter is going to walk up and probably take it home. 
However, it's almost like geocaching where you're, oh, hey, you know, guy, I wouldn't do that with a treble hook, right? Oh, look, I caught a sucker here. I'm leaving <laughs> yeah, the treble hook not. I caught with it. Let's not do that. But yeah. I found it kind of cool, and I found some old 3030 casings. And I'm like, man, 100 years ago, a guy was standing right here and probably shot a big old buck right here where I'm standing right. And I think it's cool. Yeah. So, however, that that is a different level of consideration for the people in front of me. And I've gone to the level of, you know, when we're processing a big elk, yeah, there's a gut pile there and there's, there's a carcass there and it's a little bit messy for a little bit. And if you're not into hunting and you stumble across that, I'm sorry, but it's you, Patrick, you've butchered pigs and elk with me out in the woods. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not as cut and dry, clean a process, but my little orange rubber gloves, I take my knife now, wrap it up dirty, right? Put all the dirty side inside, have the clean out, and I shove that in my pocket, and I come home and I throw those disposable gloves away after I pull my knife out. Now I'm not putting a really nasty, icky knife in my pants pocket, and I'm not leaving a pair of non well, they're disposable, but those gloves are not going to just, you know, decompose in in a day and be gone. They're going to be there for a season or two, and I don't want to go back and see my gloves the next year. Yeah, but getting back to fish, like, there's no reason for people to throw their you know, carp or suckers up on the bank. And also another thing, if you're going to clean a bunch of fish next to the water, dispose of the the carcass appropriately. Don't just leave it on the walking path or just strewn all over the place. That's another thing that drives me insane is there's no reason for it. You know, there's typically a lot of the places people are fishing. There's a, a, a fish cleaning station with a grinder. You can put, put the fish through that or, you can haul it away and throw it away yourself or, you know, compost well, like in it, Alaska, do whatever. They want you to fillet those fish and throw them into fast moving water, not yep. leave them on the bank because you're creating a hazard for bears, but you're also just a stinky, nasty mess. Decomposing fish is not, it's not lovely three weeks later. And some of these places you're fishing are pretty high traffic. I'd say there's somebody yep. fishing there almost every day. Yeah. There's people walking through there. There's people trying to recreate there. They don't want to smell your stinky fish. One thing that is really hard for me is around Boyson and the Wind River and different places, you have these carp carcasses up on the bank stinking like to high heaven for when weeks. You're, when you're trying to up. fish, it's like, come on, guys, really? Like, this is not the place to put that. Either take it home, put it back in the water, do something with it, right? But don't don't throw it up on the bank and let it stink. It's just, it's, there's no need for that. But anyway, I'll get off my uh, carp and sucker soapbox now because I've completely changed from what i used to be it used to be yeah oh that's a carp you know you kill it and throw it on the bank and leave it won't do that anymore especially now that i've tried that smoked carp believe it or not guys it is legit and now granted seth knows how to take care of fish so he did bleed it brained it you know did all the proper care of keeping it cold and and doing a good job with it but it, it is a resource that you can use um, well, for sure the same thing with the antelope, right? Everybody's like, oh, you eat antelope? Oh, you eat antelope? <laughs> yeah. Hands down, one of the better proteins that's running around the lower 48 right now is antelope. And I will put that up against anybody's anything, right? Oh, well, pig, oh, elk. No, it is better. Yeah, it's all about taking care of it. But yeah, anyway, that's that's been the, the couple of trips I've been able to get out <laughs> on in April was uh, some sucker fishing. If you want to go pursue suckers they're readily available anywhere in the country really and you don't have Um, to aim for the state record you can just aim for the master angler right 
Start start there. Just have fun. And learn how to catch the fish and then go, hey, I've been catching a lot of these master anglers. Let's see if I can go after the state record. Isn't isn't that how you would recommend everybody kind of if they wanted to state start chasing state records? Chase the master angler records first. Well, I mean, unfortunately for the rough fish, the state of Wyoming doesn't recognize them for a master angler, so that's a bummer. But, you know, I think the the biggest thing is talk to your biologist, see what's available where, see, you know, what they eat and kind of how you can fish for them. Uh, you know, for suckers, night crawlers are easy. I mean, you can go to just about any bait shop, any walmart and find them right and so you use night crawlers or some kind of earthworm you can dig them up in your backyard but they're really easy to fish for there's lots of videos on youtube lots of places to figure out different riggings that you can use you don't have to use the one i used sometimes you can just put you know some split shot and a, a hook and a worm on the bottom i mean it, it's it's pretty simple now will they come up suspended or do you want that worm pretty well sitting on the bottom they're geared to feed off the bottom if you look at their mouth it's like a suction hose going straight down so i always tell people fish off the bottom you can catch them below a bobber but you're mo- more likely going to catch them if that bait is directly on the bottom so you don't want to have it suspending and floating you want it right on the bottom so so what kind of leader length would you recommend from your weight so for mine i was running about 18 to 20 inches of line in between the barrel swivel and that first uh three-way swivel and then having about a half ounce slip sinker on there because there was some current and then you know doing about another foot of line to your next three-way swivel and then i just put the snelled eagle claw number six hooks off of those i mean it's pretty simple rig doesn't doesn't take long to put together but if you are going to fish on the bottom you got to consider are there rocks on the bottom if there are you probably don't want to use that rig because you're going to lose it um and then the other thing too i was using heavier line just knowing that there were some rocks and some rocky areas and so so what weight line uh my main line was 12 pound mono so just making sure that i had something tough enough that if I was going to get hung up on a rock, I could work with it and not break it off. Cause I don't want to leave lead and other out there in the water. So just something where I felt like I could get it back if I needed to. I think I'm running eight pound test for the kids for their mm-hmm. uh, PK stuff. And you know, that's, it seems to be doing just fine, but we're yeah. not, we're, we're doing more top water. We are doing some, some power bait on the bottom, but smoother sandy beaches. So yeah. And that makes a big difference. And there's suckers in that body of water that you guys were fishing. So you can always fish for them there. That's also the, you know, got, it has two other state records out there. So it's just something to think about. We'll have to, <laughs> maybe we'll put the kid on a, we'll, we'll, we'll chase him on the state record line. Well, that's uh, the tips and tricks for, you know, getting out there, kicking kids, yep. fishing for sure, utilizing some resources, having fun while you're doing it. Right. That's the most important part. Yeah. And for me, it was just to get out and get some time outside. But I, I do want to talk about one of our sponsors. I want to talk about PK because it is finally, the ice is gone. So it is time to get out the PK, especially if you have a walleye fishery nearby, which I'm going to really be transitioning to walleye here pretty quick. But if you, if you want to pull like worm harnesses, they've got like four different options now for pulling crawlers. And I'll tell you. So would you go with the flutterfish over a, a crawler over a flutterfish for walleye? uh off of one of their trolling jigs certain times a year absolutely okay like if if it's june 
May, June, and July, I can catch the snot out of the fish on their crawler harness systems. So the the wobbler, the Dakota disc, any of those are just dynamite for walleye. Now, are you using those frame. from the bank or from the boat? From the boat. Okay. Yep. So you'd be trolling them along, depending on where the fish are. It could be five feet of water and it could be 25 feet of water, but pulling them behind a bottom bouncer. So that season's coming up. And then, of course, their crankbait line, the uh, Ridgeline cranks. That's the one with the lip that dives down. I'm going to be catching lots of big rainbows and walleyes on those, trolling those at about two to two and a half miles an hour behind the boat here soon, behind planer boards. So go to pklure.com. You can get a whole bunch of those bought and ready to go. Also, this time of year, another great option that they have is that spinajig. So putting like a, a either a minnow or a plastic or a piece of worm off of that and fishing that along the shorelines right now for you know, walleyes that are in that post-spawn mode, it's a perfect option. So I was using last week the flutterfish, the half ounce in that pond, and we switched down to the quarter ounce. The other guy that was with us there had a blue fox, and that flutterfish in that pond that nobody's fished so far this season, right, was I hands down smacking fish over that blue fox spinner. They That's were awesome. They were just crushing, and it was a it was a red dot glow, just so everybody knows. <laughs> And good old red, red dot glow. It just is, uh, it's one of the best that there is. And also this time of year, as soon as the ice comes off, this is a tip for everybody. Go out to where you have an inlet or an outlet and throw like a half ounce gold or nickel or copper flutter fish and just rip it and let it fall, rip it and let it fall. You will catch some absolute giant trout that way. In fact, I think we'll be back out at that same muddy water night. There was still, it was about 60% ice, 40% open. So we we're having to throw kind of under there and we could see fish darting out from the ice. Cool. So hopefully here in the next 24 hours, that ice is going to, it was getting real thin and broke up. And so it'll be gone, gone. And we'll be, a, we'll switch that uh, red dot glow out for a copper or a silver. And we're going to, we're going to put the smack down on a few fish. Yeah, no, I hope the kids have a good time. It's that time of year. Get your families out there, enjoy the water, be respectful and be kind and be a good steward. Take your uh, your worm container and your mar- and your monster can <laughs> home, please. Yes, and all your beer bottles and all those other things that you guys leave behind. But no, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Can't wait to get the, my kids out as well and do some more fishing. Katie had a blast catching the you know, over five pound sucker. She thought that was pretty awesome. So the best thing to do is we're, we're now, I didn't used to do this, but we now take a cooler because yep. I'm a little more confident that we're going to be procuring fish to come home, throw an old grocery sack in there. And right before you get done, have the kids help you just pick up. And I, if, if you took 20 grocery sacks, you probably could fill all 20 every time, but I feel like it's a good steward to teach kids hey well that's not ours. well we're going to pick it up and clean up the area that we want to come back and fish next time and we we put that on top of whatever fish we got in the cooler we come home i gotta i gotta wash the fishy gooky cooler out anyways and i just throw that in the garbage can yep. real quick so yeah it makes sense so yeah. have fun be safe get out there and we'll uh we'll be back for more radcast outdoors thanks again for listening to the radcast outdoors podcast we hope that you've enjoyed the show if so Please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at radcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation, and we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.